0: It's called Promises. We're talking about the importance of God's promises. And I am honored and thankful that my wife, Kathy, who is not only my wife and the mother of my children, but also our Grace Kids uh, campus support leader and director. So thank you, Kathy, for joining uh, me and us this week.
1: I'm excited. I um, am trusting God's promises today that we'll get through it.
0: (laughs) And the reason she's trusting God's promises. Uh, even though you study this, so Kathy writes and leads the team that writes our Grace Kids curriculum. So you study this passage backwards and forwards as I have, but how much warning did I give you about this?
1: Well, it's, it's coming up close to 48 hours now.
0: Yeah. By the way, I have to thank you because you were the original brainstorm idea for this.
1: Right. And um, I don't know that you know, but you're going to be helping me do a junior video in the near future. Yes. So cool. Be watching for that.
0: That's uh, husbands and wives help each other. <laughs> so, okay, we're talking about God's promises. There's an example from Malin's life. Malin is our daughter. Uh, here's a picture of her. Uh, she is very cute. Uh, she, those glasses that make her so cute. There she's riding a bike. We do a lot of outside things with a stay-at-home order. Here's the next picture is her sense of fashion. Yes, that is a kind of Christmas uh, snowflake sh- uh, top with cowboy boots. That is her sense of style.
1: Stripe pants.
0: Stripe pants, Good. yeah. She does have a sense of style though. She, she really does. Is. Uh, and then here's the third picture. She's riding up and down, up and down the sidewalk. So she's really gotten better and better and better. She gave me a lot of strength um, and balance. But she asked me like the last couple of weeks to, to take the training wheels off. We, Daddy, would you take the training wheels off? So I we got out the ranch and she helped me take the training wheels off. And so, so I'm teaching her how to ride a bike Without training wheels. And so this is her bike. So literally, I am, I am, she's pedaling like crazy. I am running down the sidewalk with my hand right under here. And she's a bit wobbly, but I got her. And at some point, she, she, Daddy, I mean, the anxiety and the fear starts building in her. She thinks she's gonna topple over. And I'm, I am, you know, that sprint, that squatted over, bent over sprint. And she looks back, I'll never forget the look in her eyes, just terror. Daddy, Daddy, I'm going to fall. And I looked in her eyes and I said, honey, I am not going to let you fall. You will not fall, I promise. And of course, we've been studying the promises of God, getting rid of this series. I thought This is the perfect example because um, it's a picture of this. Like I wanted my daughter to believe my promise. I was not going to drop her. And she had a choice. Was she going to believe her dad or not? And so here's the big key principle this week. God is at work in your life to help you learn, remember, and trust His promises. God is at work in your life right now. He's at work in my wife's life. He's at work in my life right now to help me learn God's promises in new ways and remember them when I forget and trust God's promises. And you made a great observation about this whole bike analogy, too. Yeah,
1: even, you know, watching them and this experience. And I can tell and like, really, you can trust Dad. He's trustworthy. He's not going to let you go. But I can't make her believe it. I can't do it. And she only really experiences it when she does that push off and starts to pedal. And I think that's so much about what our faith and what believing the promises really is about is you got to start pedaling. You got to experience it.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I kind of wonder if this is a season in your life, with all that's going on, if God's asking you to take the training wheels off, to learn God's promise in a new area, to actually remember it, keep it in front of you, and to trust it, to pedal, 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 and see He is not going to drop you. And so we're kicking off this this series this week. I'm so excited. Kath, why don't you pray as we kick off, like, living by God's promises.
1: Dear Lord, I just love this series so much already. I, um, I love your promises. I'm thankful for them that we can trust you. You're 100% trustworthy. Uh, Father, I pray you would do mighty things. I know you're ready to. We just need to believe you and believe what you say. Uh, I pray for everyone listening today that they would, that they would pick out one promise in particular this week that they're going to memorize and learn and, and trust you on and get on their faith bike and pedal and see how faithful you are, that you will never let us fall. You are always with us. Thank you, God, that we can be confident in you, and we don't have to be confident in ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. So if you have a Bible, or we're going to go to our message notes online, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 4 is actually my favorite verse. When I think of God's promises, like some people think of Hebrews 11 and Romans 4, but I think of 2 Peter 1, verse 4. And so Kathy, when you talk about 2 Peter 1, something came to your mind.
1: Yeah, I really think about the author, the author Peter. And in our elementary division, we're studying the same things and we're interviewing Peter this weekend. And I think about all the disciples, Peter had such an up and down life of believing Jesus's word. And in particular, when we talk about getting on that bike, when um, Jesus was walking on the water and Peter said, like, if it's really you, Jesus, tell me to come out. Jesus said, come out. And the experience of him, Peter, believing what Jesus said and actually putting faith to it and walking on that water, uh, there's, you know, what promise, what belief he, that must have built in his own life to see how faithful Jesus is.
0: Yeah, you got like 11 guys on the boat with, yeah, a, tra- with a training wheel. They high.
1: watched, they saw it happen, but Peter goes, I know the yeah. feeling of water underneath my feet.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, and I, we're, we're praying for you that you would trust God's promises like that. So we're going to read through, we're not going to spend tons of time on verses one to three, but they're so good. I'm going to have Kathy read uh, kind of one verse at a time. We're going to be in Second Peter 1, verse one. It's all about all the things that God has given us, like God has given and given and given to us. And verse one talks about how our faith is a gift from God. Our faith is a gift from God. It.
1: So verse one says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. Guys, our faith, even our faith is a gift from Almighty God. Then in verse 2, Peter writes how grace and peace, any grace you have, any peace you have, those are also gifts from God, verse 2.
1: Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord.
0: So grace and peace they are gifts from God as well. Verse 3 says that God has given us all we need for spiritual life. You've received all of God you're ever going to get the day you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Verse 3.
1: As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue.
0: So God has given us all we need for spiritual life in verse 3. And then finally verse 4, which is what brings us here. We're going to spend our time, we're going to unpack four phrases, four kind of thoughts from verse four. But it's the the fact that God's promises are also a gift from God. Every promise God has given us, they're gifts. Verse four.
1: By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through
0: lust. All right, we're going to spend our time in in verse four. There are four phrases we're going to unpack, four key thoughts, things we must know about God's promises. You know, are you are you taking the training wheels off, trusting God's promises, pedaling like crazy, knowing He will not drop you? Okay, the first thought, number one, the first thought is the magnitude of God's promises. The magnitude of God's promises. And Kathy, we were talking about um, you know when we take family trips. Right. Which
1: yeah. four out of five of our family members enjoy.
0: Yeah, four out of five Howies enjoy family trips.
1: To our national parks. <laughs> but what's we well, your guess? About that is yeah. that like, there, you can describe a redwood forest. You can look at a picture of a redwood yeah. forest or Glacier National Park or Zion or Grand Canyon. But when you stand there and you feel it and you experience and you look up and you know it, there there's nothing that can... Um, It's not the same. The magnitude is just not the same as when you stand there.
0: Yeah, we've even talked about even you know, even your cameras, like you take a photo, you're like, this is unbelievable. And you take a photo and you look at it, like that's all it doesn't do it justice. Like that is experience, it's it's between Peter walking on the water and the other guys watching it happen. And so, Kath, why don't you read our first highlighted phrase? from verse 4. It's it's the highlighted phrase in verse 4.
1: Yeah, it's the exceedingly great and precious promises.
0: Right. So, Peter's pointing out the magnitude of God's promises. There's two Greek words here. The first Greek word is the Greek word translated exceedingly great, which is the Greek word mega. We get the word mega. Mega promises. You
1: gotta do the voice. Do the voice.
0: Mega promises! That's that's me at home, right? (laughs) Yeah, I do that. You do that. M- mega promises! Uh, but they're huge promises. God doesn't give you little promises. He didn't give us us little promises. And it takes mega problems to realize how mega promises they are, how big they are. Which is why some of you are like, why am I in such problems? God is trying to show you His promise is bigger. So He's always trying to teach us and grow us so we learn, remember, and trust His promises. The other phrase is, the He calls them precious promises. Exceedingly great, mega promises and precious. Now, this is not like, you know, a grandmother looking at a cute little child and going, oh, that's such a little precious thing. Which almost means, you know, it means cute, small. These are, these valuable, rare. This is like incredibly valuable promises. And so these are like exceedingly mega promises, valuable promises. And so we were talking, you we know, went to, well, we could spend the whole time, sorry, promises of God. We could, yeah. And so we, we landed on just sharing a few examples. Um, Kathy, you had an example just from your past promises that God taught you.
1: Yeah, because again, you can talk about theory, but let's talk. We wanted to share stories of ones yeah. that really I can look back in my life. Uh, one was I didn't know God was keeping this promise until it was over. Yeah. And that was in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. God talks about how he chastens his children and um, When we're not doing the right thing, He loves us so much that He'll allow things come into our life to bring us back to Him. So my freshman year of college, I made some choices that weren't, I knew what the Lord wanted. I was trying to play the fence, read a chapter of the Bible of the day, do whatever I want the rest of the time. And the Lord chastened me and I was kind of miserable. And I looked back when I was past that going, wow, God loved me so much. He kept that promise to draw me back to Him.
0: Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Some promises aren't fun. <laughs> no yeah and so I, even yours was a freshman freshman year i became a christian was my freshman and sophomore year and my my year of god keeping his promise to care for his child was my sophomore year i'll never forget my back going out i'm like a cockroach on the ground i can't move and just this real impression this was like, like random this wasn't stress weight. this was because i as a child of god was struggling actually following him. And in his love, he was letting me bring me back. So yeah, a promise that I'm trusting these days is Psalm 62. I'm actually in the process. I started doing it when we did the stay-at-home order, memorizing Psalm 62. I'm up to verse eight out of the 12. But there's a series of promises there that says, if we just wait silently on God, he is our salvation. He is our defense. He will come through. And this is great for situations that are beyond all of our control. Like I find myself trusting God's promise, just wait silently for God to move. You have an example from today.
1: Yeah, and same thing, I could talk forever, but the promise that I've been holding on to in the last year or so is Psalm eighteen nineteen, where it yeah. says He brought me out to a broad place and He delivered me because He delighted in me. So it's three promises in one short verse. And just he delivered me. I don't know if you've ever felt like you have to fight your own battles or um, you're overwhelmed fighting for recognition or circumstances or just the task load that you have. And I've tried to do it in my own strength, but this verse promises that he'll deliver me. I don't have to do it. And then He delights in me, not for what I do, but just because of the way He created me to be and the way He created you to be. He delights in me and I can rest in that. And then in just the last few weeks, that first phrase, He brought me out to a broad place. Never thought about it before. I don't know if you've ever felt cornered, if you've ever felt um, mm. stuck. That's good. Whether it's physically or just where you are in your life. And that's a promise that He's going to bring you out. He'll bring you out to a broad place.
0: Yeah. And we were talking about this this afternoon, and, and the, this quote from Charles Spurgeon came to mind, it's a fantastic quote. It says, he's a, he actually said, or wrote this, he says, one word of God, one promise, is like a piece of gold. And the Christian is the gold beater and can hammer that promise out for whole weeks. And he has this image of a, of a promise being like a golden nugget, and, and it, it's a, somebody working the gold, flattening out to gold leaf, covering your whole life. And that is the nature God's promise is you don't just believe and check the box. The way real world happens, the real world, is you're in a scrape, you're in trials, and there's a promise or two that you are clinging for for dear life. And it's like you're hammering away at that promise daily, often hourly, praying it, believing it, and it becomes this beautiful gold leaf that you get clothed in Christ, clothed in this promise, then you have that promise.
1: Yeah, even that last verse. I it was the last half that I'd been pondering on for a year, yeah. and then it's the first half. And he he keeps bringing new things up. It's
0: like seasons. You're really working a promise. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the first the first phrase from verse four: uh, the magnitude of God's promises. Remember, God's at work in your life to help you learn, remember, and trust His promises. He's working right now to get you to do that. All right, the second phrase. Uh, it's talking about the importance of God's promises, the importance of God's promises. And so I'm gonna have Kathy read, you read the, the second highlighted phrase we have from from verse four.
1: That through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature.
0: That's kind of an interesting phrase. We, our grace group, we meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. We, we did talk about this phrase. So what's this phrase mean to you? Like, what's it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature?
1: Yeah, actually... Just in the last day from thinking about that from Grace Group, I've thought about some more. It's kind of back to the bike example of um, we can study how to ride a bike. We can know all about. I can tell you how to ride a bike. um, But until you get on that bike and start doing it, it's just head knowledge. And I think until you start believing these promises, you can have a lot of head knowledge about God, but you're not actually Christ-like. Like the bike, you you have the bike. I own a bike, but I'm not a bike rider until I get on the bike. I can have my Bible, I can know the Bible, but I'm not Christ-like until I start living the Bible and living the promises.
0: Yeah, that's really good. It's 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 like God is shares His nature with us when we get on the bike, and we were, we were I was joking. Right I'll there.
1: just add one quick thing. Please do. Is that you can have a really big head until you get on the bike, and my mom will tell me that the least favorite part of who I was as a Christian was when I knew a lot and lived it very little. Yeah. So.
0: These yeah. are people who go to professional, they, they go to bike study after bike study after bike study. They learn about the physics of bike, the turnings of bike, the tunings of bike. Bike. They can tell you all about the bike. The only problem, they're not on the bike and they're not running down the street, helping somebody else balance and be on the bike. And so there's a great phrase that shows you, uh, I love this verse that illustrates how when you believe God's promise, he lets you sample Partake of who he is. Uh, the Greek word koinonia, it's mutually sharing in who God is. It's, it's Romans uh, 15, verse 13. Romans 15, 13. Uh, Paul writes, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I say, What is God's nature? His divine nature is hope. His nature is joy. His nature is peace. But you don't experience hope and joy and peace until you're believing, until you're on the bike, training wheels off, pedaling like crazy, believing your dad is not gonna let you fall. So guys, God is at work right now. Maybe, Maybe he's doing that right now, trying to allow certain things and stresses and anxieties, things out of your control to help you learn God's promises. Remember them and trust them. Okay, that's the second phrase. Let's talk about the third phrase now, the third phrase in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, and it talks about the number one challenge, the number one challenge with God's promises. And we know the number one challenge is not with God. It's not with God, and not with His promise.
1: Not with the bike or the person holding the bike.
0: Nope, who has two thumbs and is (laughs) the biggest problem with God's promises? This guy. Okay, so it's our our not-believing His promises, and Kathy, it's it's no under, it's no like overestimate to say we spend most of our time in ministry trying to believe God's promise and get others to actually believe God's promises. Yep, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) I mean, because if you actually 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 believe God's promises, your stress level goes down. You know, your God's in charge. Like even if, if you don't even know the individual promise, sometimes like you should know the promises. That's what the series is about. If you just trust your dad's nature that he won't drop you, he's got it. And so, Kathy, why don't you read our third highlighted phrase from verse four?
1: It's just have been given to us.
0: Yeah, these promises have already been given. And we had the, we were talking about the example earlier. You love the example of the promised land. Why do you love the promised land example in the Old Testament?
1: I just love the way that God makes these stories to illustrate it so clearly. He calls it the promised land. Yeah. And it was there. It was ready for the taking. He just said, believe and walk. Pedal into the promised land. And because yeah. they wouldn't believe, they wouldn't get to go in. But when they believed, they got to go
0: in. And we we work with people. It's almost like, they're right up, the law and the rules and regulations bring them right up to the border like Moses. But they don't have peace. They don't have joy. Christian is, Christianity is hard and drudgery and they're not living in the promised land. And um, so it's a quote that Jesus said in John 6, verse 29 is totally this topic. John 6, 29, he's answering a question. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Like Jesus told this group of people, the most important work we do, the hardest work we do, is the work to actually track down God's promises, which reflect God's nature, and believe, aggressively believing God's promises, that this is true, God is true. And we, we were talking about earlier that you can't just tell somebody, just well, just believe it. Like, this would be a terrible place to end this talk, is just to say, now, after all we said, would you just believe it? Because that's not helpful. And so three quick things, principles, just jot them down, mark them down, that God has built into the Christian life and practices to help you grow in believing God's promises. Number one, pray for it. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Like right now, when's the last time you asked God to help you believe his promises? Just pray this right now, wherever you're at. Dear God, would you please, please, please help me to believe your promises more, to learn your promises more, to remember them more, to trust them more? One of them is pray for it. The second one is engage with the Bible. Romans 10:17 says, if you engage with the Bible on a regular basis, your faith will grow. You'll believe more. If you don't engage with it on a regular basis, your faith shrinks. So pray for Believe in God's promises, engage with the Bible, I finally remember what God did. Look back in history at all the things that God has done in Psalm, like Psalm 78, 7 says, remember, do not forget the works of God. And you have both a great story from our past, which still freaks me out when thinking about it, just it's the nature of God, and then a resource for our church.
1: I do. So back in 2003, I was doing Believing God by Beth Moore, and I'm actually redoing that. And I was looking at my notes and was reminded how I went for about six weeks praying a particular verse for Tim. I was praying Isaiah 64, 4, and I didn't tell him. And I was praying it daily and believing it for him, which is a cool thing, too, that's um, a whole other sidetrack. Yeah. You can not only believe promises for yourself but you can believe them and pray them for other people too. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing for Tim. And then um, like six weeks later, Tim comes to me and is like, honey, God gave me this verse, the coolest verse, I'm believing it. And what verse do you think it was of all the verses in the Bible? Isaiah 64, four, I'm like, huh, oh, how about that? Guess what, look, look at my notes. And that was the coolest thing.
0: Which is funny, because I I don't often, like in that season, I don't often run in with verses. So it was rare. And then when she pulled out her book and showed me, it just, again, blew me away. And we've also learned over the last, oh, several years, that the praying and believing God for other people, like praying God's promises. You, sh- you should do that right now. Praying, help them believe God's promises. Like God hears and answers those prayers. You even have a resource for us. Yeah, church. I
1: have a tool for us. Um, whether you're in your grace group and you can look online at the grace group guide, or most of our elementary kids should have been given this Believe Journal, because like I said, we're studying the same thing. And at the end, we have given you each week of this series several verses that you can look up. And we just really encourage you to get on that bike as a family or as a grace group or with a friend. Pick one verse that you're going to commit to believing and praying and memorizing and put it into practice. Don't just watch us and listen to us, but do it. It's so awesome.
0: Yeah, pick a verse and get out of the boat. So... That's three. We talked about the nature of the number one challenge of the God's promises. It's us. It's actually believing them. It's actually getting out of the boat, taking the training wheels off. So here's the fourth, fourth phrase, and we're going to talk about promise zero. So, uh, what is promise zero? It's a take uh, on, uh, this whole concept of what a patient zero is. So I don't know if you know this or not, but my wife has a degree, a biology degree from Stanford, human biology, with an environmental studies emphasis. She's brilliant. She is smart. Explain to us. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Explain to us what, what, uh, what patient zero is. Got me off base. Okay. So. You know, even having you near me, you're so pretty. Get me off my game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I love this.
1: Okay. Patient zero. Patient zero. All right. Patient zero is that first person who has the epidemic or the disease. And from that first person, all the other people get it from them or it spreads from that first person, patient person. You got me off
0: my game. I know, I know. Yeah, so there is no epidemic without patient zero. And so that's the nature of promises of God. Like you can try to believe all these other promises about provision and all these other things. We're going to talk over the next several weeks, but week after week after week, God's presence in your life, provision for you, what he has in the future for you. But there's a promise zero, that if you don't get promise zero, none of the other promises matter. Why don't you read the last highlighted phrase, Kathy, from verse 4. What's this phrase say?
1: Having escaped the corruption that is in the world.
0: Yeah, so Peter says that these promises of experiencing God's nature, sharing his nature, they only apply to those who have escaped. Have you escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust? It's promise zero, the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Like for me, I fully embraced that promise when I was a, between my freshman, sophomore in high school. When did you fully embrace the promise of salvation through Christ, eternal life?
1: Yeah, I was in first grade.
0: In first grade. You're better than me.
1: Well, that's for a different message.
0: Yes, it is. But here's the verse. It's first John chapter two, verse 25. This is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Yeah, eternal life is promise zero that when you believe promise zero, eternal life through Jesus Christ, that that faith, that spiritual life can spread promise to promise through your whole spiritual life. But if you don't go to promise zero, none of the other stuff matters. It doesn't. You don't have Christ. You don't have eternal life. Do you have Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you personally embraced, surrendered to promise zero, life through Christ?